Hey, this is Biblical Worldview. I'm Pastor Brian Bratcher. The objective of this podcast is to insert a biblical worldview into the listener's life. Uh, most people um, see the world and the events that are unfolding in the world um, according to the worldview that is espoused by um, everybody that you're listening to on the television or through whatever media um, you're consuming in your life. Um, a biblical worldview allows us to see events in a completely different light. When we uh, observe events through the lens that is the Bible, we come away with a completely different truth than the rest of the world um, currently lives under. And so we hope um, that your time here will not be wasted. We hope that uh, you will assign value um, to the information that you receive through this podcast. Um, the guest that I have with me today is a very, very good friend a brother in Christ. Um, I consider him um, a pastor. Um, he certainly shepherds um, people in the in the sense that a pastor does. He also has a television show that goes out to millions of homes um, each time it is broadcast called Change Television. He is a Christian hip-hop artist and um, just an all-around good guy. Um, this is David Manning. Hey, man. I'm honored to be here. Uh, I know when you ask me to come be a guest, man, when I, just the name itself, man, that's that's what the world needs is a biblical worldview. Because, man, just uh, the view, if it was not for the seeing things through the eyes of God, there's lots of fear. You know, I mean, but when you see things through God's lens, man, what we were talking about earlier, we've talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks, is it causes you to fear the Lord. You know, and that's what the Bible says, the beginning of the wisdom is to fear God. You know, and uh, it's not fear in a sense, the, you know, that's going to cause you to be scared, but it's to reverence the Lord. I, and uh, I mean, that's what, you know, a biblical worldview, you know, that's what we need. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what we all need is to see the, the, the world through the eyes of God's word. And I mean, I think when, it's, when you start saying that, the first scripture that comes to my mind is, is Matthew chapter 24. Yeah. And it concerns the times yeah. that we're living in For right sure. now. Um, this is this is what's going on. The, the disciples, they've just come to Jesus. He's just preached uh, the most famous sermon of right. all time. He's just preached the, the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And after they've heard all of these things, uh, you know, they've got one thing on their mind. Yeah. Because what's about to transpire is the conversation they have right after Jesus gets away from the people and he's with his disciples. This is now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him in private and they said, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, and he said, Take heed that no one deceives you. So right away, Jesus is saying deception. For sure. Deception is going to be everywhere, yep. so make sure that no one deceives you, because many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. So they're not going to claim to be Jesus. They're going to claim to hold the office that Jesus held, the right. office of Christ. And they're going to say, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And look at this. See that you are not troubled. The only way that happens is if you have a biblical worldview. For sure. For all of these things must come to pass. No biblical worldview. You're going to freak out about all the things yeah. that's happening. And you're going to try to, you're going to go around maybe thinking that you've got to stop. Yeah, but I mean, if you're listening to TikTok, to you're listening to the news, you're listening to the radio, it's going to cause some fear. It's going to cause some depression, some anxiety, some worry. Man, the economy's up. The economy's down. What's going to happen with the housing market? It's going to cause fear. Yeah. 
You know, but look, I mean, look what he said. He said the, the very first thing he addressed when they was asking the same question, Lord, what, what's it going to be like right before you return? First, he said, don't be deceived, you know? And the crazy thing about deception is you don't know you're deceived. Yeah. You know? Well, look, nation will rise against nation. Yep. And that, what that means is infighting, like civil, like civil fighting, right. civil war kind of stuff. So nation against nation, or nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines, a short, you know, that means a shortage of food, pestilence, that means sickness, right. earthquakes in various places all around the world. And he says, and all of these are the beginning of sorrows. So if you understand all of this, then you know these things have to happen in for order sure. to fulfill the book. And Jesus said, you shouldn't be troubled. Right. You should expect these things and see these things. When you see these things, instead of being troubled, you should look... Look, look up and think, man, our redemption draweth nigh. Yep. He says, then they will even deliver you up into tribulation. They will kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And then lawlessness will abound. I mean, we're seeing that right now. For sure. And then look, those that don't have a biblical worldview, what's going to happen next? The love of many will grow cold. They won't understand things. So rather than praying for people, rather than loving their enemy and loving and blessing the ones that persecute them, their love will grow cold. Right. It says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And this... Hey, go back and read that, the part right before that. It's talking about, read, read right before what you just read. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Yep. And because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold. We was talking about this right before we came back in. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said that he said, you, you'll know my disciples, the, the ones who truly follow me, the d disciplined ones, the love they have one toward another, toward another. And see, this is the thing. He says, it says lawlessness abound in, in the last days. And people say, well, you know, the people's been saying that for hundreds of years. You know, they said, well, what, what makes this, this time any different than the, the 16th century year? The fifth, you know, you think about this time as, you know, you go back to the 15th century, the world wasn't much different then than it was 2,000 years ago. You know, you go back to the, you know I mean? It's like, look how much the light, the world has changed just since we've been in the world. You know, just since the ones who's watching, just since we've been in the world, the world has changed. Something is changing. You don't gotta, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know, like, man, something is changing. Anybody with discernment knows that For sure. in 2020, when all of this stuff happened, the world has never the been world, the same. That the world, the world has is absolutely changed. And the difference between lawlessness now yep. and lawlessness before is that now, our the the governmental structures are promoting lawlessness. For sure. I mean, you you have you have states. You, you know, you don't have to assign red or blue to these states. You have states everywhere who are literally changing the laws on the book yep. to encourage lawlessness. And so, yeah, regardless of the Constitution, regardless of what voters want, they're just setting in their heart, this is what we're going to do, and we don't care who opposes well, see, I mean, We can see that all that's across what this people without a biblical worldview fail to understand at this point. They are still operating on, on the rules of the old world, and right. that world is gone. The rules of the old world said that you know, whether, you were, whether you were red or blue, conservative or liberal, we all had this understanding that, that we all shared a common decency. We were all trying to, to, to move toward the same common goals, right. that we wanted a decent society, that we wanted to protect the family structure. Well, even what decency was, you know, there was a time where, I mean, all through, all through history, all through the, the history, I mean, even though we're in a young nation, there you go back to our grandparents' generation, there's always been different ideas and different ideology on how to get to the end goal. But if you look, normally the end goal was pretty similar. 
You know, but now, see, this is where there's so much lawlessness, so much dysfunction in this nation is people don't want the same end goal. You know, no one is striving for the same, um, like you said, the 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 structure, the 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 layout of what we're all after. It's different, and that's why there can't be you know um, compromise because we we all ultimately want different things. And that's the thing as Christians, we can't get sucked into this um, personal what we personally want. We have to do exactly what this podcast is about: is have a biblical worldview. There's gonna be times where we don't want to forgive our enemies. But what did Christ say? There's going to be times where we don't want to pray for those who despitefully use us. But what did Christ say? There's going to be times where we don't feel like assembling ourselves together. But what did Christ say? And that's what we have to do is we have to move past our worldview, move past our personal feelings and emotions and say, Lord, because you're my Lord, my life is yielded unto you. That's what Jesus said in Matthew. He said, any man who desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Man, you gotta, you gotta stop wanting the the world to be the way you want it to be, and we have to surrender our will over to Him. That's what it means to be a believer and a Christian and a follower and a, and a disciple is that we've yielded our desire over to what His desire is. Hey y'all, how's it going? Wait a couple minutes for folks to jump in before we really start talking about anything. But yeah. what we're doing here tonight is we are we're getting content together for a podcast. Uh, we're starting called Biblical Worldview, and um, the title seems to me pretty self-explanatory, but uh, the purpose behind it is to help people gain a biblical worldview uh, to view the events of the world through. Um, so even within the church, um, there are a great number of people who um, understand that Jesus Christ um, is the Son of God, died for our sins was resurrected on the third day but there are um, a great number of people um, that beyond that they they don't really hold much of a biblical worldview um, and so there's a lot to be said about that and that's what me and David are, are talking about um, tonight so we've we've uh, been filming for a little bit but as we've been filming we thought it might be a good idea to just uh, let people in on the discussion and ask some questions and see if it might add to the content so yeah, so if y'all got any questions at any time, even if we're talking, y'all just ask the question, and, and then we'll try our best to answer it with the Word of God. So you were just talking about the love of God, man, so yep. we'll just, we can just pick up from there. For sure. What we was talking about before we cut, um, we've, we've actually been talking about this a couple times tonight, but Jesus said, you'll know my disciples, and the word disciples, it means disciplined ones. You'll know the disciplined ones. For the love they have one to another. That's what Jesus said. He said, that's how you'll know who my followers, my true followers are. The ones, you know, Jesus even said, he said, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. You know, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, man, I love, I love Jesus. And Jesus said, the way I'm determining um, the ones who are disciples is the love they share one toward another. And that's what we should be looking at. It's not uh, whether someone uh, knows a bunch of scriptures or not. Because there's a lot of people out there who know a lot of scriptures, but the love of God doesn't dwell in their heart. And Jesus said, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that may impress people, you know, but sometimes the things that impress people from a biblical view, man, that's the thing, the things that we're proud of is the things that God's ashamed of. You know, what God is proud of is when he looks down and sees he, his people loving people, despite their brokenness, despite their their flaws, despite whether they're an addict or because the truth is, is when God looks at, at us as people, what makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. 
that what the, the true gospel is, is that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of God's glory, that we are unworthy. But through Jesus Christ, we're worthy in God's And if you'll keep that in mind, as you go throughout your life, it'll be easier to forgive people. It'll be easier to pray for those. The Bible says to, to, um, to bless those who curse you. Now, if you ain't got a biblical worldview, that's one thing you're not going to be doing. If you don't have a biblical worldview, you're definitely not going to be praying for those who hate you, despitefully use you, people who gossiping about you, lying on you. Man, you there's a lot of things you can do. But if you ain't got a biblical worldview, that's not one of them. And that's what impresses Jesus. He's, what impresses God is when you love one another. Because the love that God has called us to love is impossible to do without him. You know, I can, it's, Jesus, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, I think, I'm not sure, it's toward the, uh, one, one of the later books, he said, how can you say that you love me? Now, there's a lot of, we, say, we sing songs how we love God, we post on social media how we love God. He said, how can you say you love me who you've never seen? Now, we've experienced God's love, we've, we've seen God through his word, but he says, y'all do all this talking about how you love me, he said, but you've never even seen me. How can you say that you love me who you've never seen, but yet you hate your brother who you do see? Now, that right there, that is going to require a biblical worldview for you to love people. Man, you're going to have to have the love of God shut brought in your heart. And, you know, that's that's something that always sticks out of my mind um, is the way I need to be determined who's my brother and my sister is the people who's loving like Christ loved. Well, man, I mean, when when the Word of God says that, it says we think about all these ways to try to convince people right. that they need Jesus. Right. But what you said, I mean, it... it it simply means that the way that we love one another, the Word of God says that they'll know that we are who we say we are right. by the way that we love one another. And when they see the love that we display toward one another, they'll know that they need it and they're lost without it. They're headed to destruction yeah. without that love that we have. Yeah. And so by looking at that, they'll, they'll need to know the source yeah. And we have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, but we put our focus on so many things that love is lost in the mix of everything else. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, man, so many people want to talk about so many things. You know, uh, well, how do people get free from this? And how do people get free from that? And, well, what if they're struggling with this, Jesus? I mean, that the gospel is the, is the remedy. You know, it's not, I mean, there's lots of practical things that people can do to get better. But here's the thing. The answer to sin is Jesus. The answer to the areas that I'm struggling in my life, I need more Jesus. The areas that you're struggling in your life, you need more Jesus. Well, and, 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 and that's the answer. The answer is Jesus. There's a lot of people out there, you may be watching right now. Man, the reason why we're doing this isn't, isn't to be elevated. We're trying to decrease so he can increase, so people can get love, so they can get free. That's the purpose of this podcast. That's why, man, I'm honored to be as a guest on the podcast. And, you know, my, my life has been transformed and changed. By the love of God, it wasn't knowledge. There wasn't, it wasn't, um, man, programs in church. It wasn't. It was truly people loving me when I was unlovable. There's people believing in me, and and, and giving me grace because I needed grace, but also giving me truth. And that's the that's the thing. If you look in uh, John um, 31, we talked about this earlier. It says um, John 8:31 says it says Jesus began to speak to a bunch of Jews who believed upon him. And he said, if you'll continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples. You'll be my disciplined ones. You'll be my, the ones who I expect to love people the way I'm loving you. And then in verse 32 is a real familiar scripture that we, we hear sometimes. It says, and then you shall know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. And I think sometimes the church and myself, you all of us, sometimes we get out of balance. It's like, man, we got to just tell them the truth. That's that, that's the truth is what's going to set people free. But the truth alone is so hard to bear that it's like, man, it has to be met with grace. And then some people just want to, well, we just got to give everybody grace. Well, grace with no truth brings no transformation. People have to, and what is the truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Jesus is the truth. We need to get Jesus in your situation so you can get free. Because apart from Jesus, you're going to learn to manage your sin. Or, you know, you got to even manage your sin. You're just going to learn to have, uh, like, a, a management of your behavior. But, man, Jesus ain't looking at your behavior. You know, now, if you truly have Jesus in your heart, your behavior is going to change. But, man, you, you know, you can modify your behavior and trick people. But what Jesus is looking at is your heart. What's truly what in your heart? most people are into is behavior modification. Yeah. Good evening. Uh, my name is Pastor Brian Bratcher, and you guys, of course, know this is David Manning since that we're now streaming on, on his account. But uh, me and David have got together tonight, and we've started filming a podcast. Uh, the name of the podcast is Biblical Worldview, and it's got a pretty simple purpose. Uh, we are trying to insert a biblical worldview into the viewer's life. Um, that being um, that as you view the events that are transpiring um, in our world currently, uh, you would be able to see those events through the lens that is the Bible. And so uh, for a jumping off point uh, where David and I were earlier was this scripture from Matthew 24 that um, without it, without a biblical worldview, it would leave one in fear. With a biblical worldview, um, you've got a totally different perspective. So just for the purpose of having a place to start, um, we'll read this scripture. And then our hope is that you guys will jump in and ask some questions and just kind of um, help out in our discussion. So this is from the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. And Jesus has just preached uh, really the, the most uh, famous, most impactful sermon um, in the history of the world. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is directly following that sermon. They've come down off the mountain, and it says, um, starting in verse 3, chapter 24, Now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. So right off, Deception. We know to watch out for deception, that there's going to be deception, delusion, um, all over the place. He next says, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. So we notice there, he, he, the warning is not that they will claim to be Jesus, but these imposters will claim to hold the office of Christ, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then Jesus says, But for you... See that you are not troubled. So in other words, we're going to observe all of these events, but we're not supposed to be troubled or alarmed. Why? Because all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, that's infighting amongst nations, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines, that's a shortage of food, pestilence, that means sickness, and earthquakes in various places around the world. These are the beginning of sorrows. And so if you have no biblical worldview, uh, that could leave a person terrified. For sure. But if you have a biblical worldview, you understand that these things have to happen 
so that the book is fulfilled. So the believer is, is not under some kind of impression that we must stop these things. Right. We understand that these things were always supposed to yeah, happen. Yeah, not stop them, not worry, not fear. You know, I mean, without a biblical worldview, there's enough stuff going on in the world to make you, man, be depressed, to be worried, to be fearful, to have anxiety. But Jesus said, when you see these things coming, to look up because your redemption draws not. I mean, man, apart from truly not just knowing about God, but knowing him, man, you will you will have worry, fear, anxiety, depression. I mean, you can watch the news long enough. You know, that's, that's, they give you enough in one day to worry about for the rest of your life, you know. But Jesus said, man, listen, don't. He said, oh, there's another scripture. He says, be at peace because he said, know that I've overcome this world. You know, and that's and the, the same one who overcome the world. He lives in us. He dwells in us. He's upon us. He's with us. He's for us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. I mean, that's a promise that he gives us, you know, that, uh, man, this stuff's going to happen. But he's with us, and he's and for he us, and he's peace, coming back. And he says the peace that we experience. And again, you have to have a biblical worldview right. to even know this kind of peace. The Bible says that we have peace through Jesus, not as the world knows, because the world can only yeah. experience peace that, that comes after understanding. Yeah. But the Word of God says that you and I, anybody that believes in Jesus, trusts in Jesus, that we have peace that surpasses understanding. Right. Our peace yeah, that The world's going to be like, man, how could y'all be okay? Do y'all not? Like, man, listen. Man, the, the one who has overcome the world is in us. He's for us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. I mean, that's the hope that we have, that that Jesus is coming. His word is true. And, man, it, it, there's, if you keep reading in that same passage, it says, man, that, that you know, these things got to happen. But it says, man, look up because your, your redemption draws nigh. Man, uh, I think we got a few people on. So um, if anybody has questions, uh, feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. And Will, who is with us, he's, he's filming. Um, Will will relay those questions to us, and David and I will do the best we can to answer those questions. Hey, while we're waiting on some questions, um, I know something we was talking about. We was filming the podcast, and then we was like, man, let's just go jump on here and go live. But we was filming the podcast, and we was talking about the scripture um, where it talks about, um, you know, and I think it's in John 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus spoke to those Jews which believed upon him. So he's talking to a bunch of people who believed. And he said, But if you continue in my word, he said, um, then you're my disciples indeed. And the word disciple means disciplined ones. He said, Man, if you'll continue in my word. And see, that's what we gotta do. And right now, everything that's going on in the world, people say, Man, what should we do? What should we what what do you think about everything that's going on? But we gotta continue in his word. And it says, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And then in verse 32, that's, that's eight, John 8, 31. But verse 32 says, and then you'll know the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. He says, then you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, I mean, that's the gospel broke down right there. That's what we were talking about earlier. You know, the first thing is your requirement to believe. Mm -hmm. You know, to well, what do I need to do to follow him? You must believe. Look, check this out. Look what it says in verse 33. It says, and they answered him. And because look. They don't have the right worldview. Right. He says, we are Abraham's descendants. We've, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Right. How can you say you'll be made free? And right. isn't that the truth now? Think about how many people. They're saying, well, man, I go to church. I, I read my Bible. I do this. He said, man, listen. He said, man, and the only way you're going to be made free is to do what? Is to continue in his word. And then you, as you continue, the more truth you'll know, which is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And that truth, which you know, will set you free. And see, that's the thing, man. People are trying to find freedom in so many other things. 
And that's what's going on in our world right now, man. I'm trying to find freedom in, in knowledge. I'm trying to find freedom in uh, all these things. But, man, the only, the only freedom, the only truth that's going to lead to freedom is Jesus. Yeah, and, and it's the truth that Jesus espouses, not the truth that we want to say yeah. that, that Jesus is. Like this next verse says, it says here, it says, uh, so they just said they don't understand that they're still in bondage. They right. say, we've always been free. Jesus answered them. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of that sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if a son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so you got folks that are so busy running around saying, you're talking about, I've got Christian liberty. I can do whatever I want to do. You know, I'll send more so that grace can abound. And what they don't understand is, is, like how trapped they are in that sin because by right. committing that sin the word of God says that you have went back and you've made your slave, yourself you've chosen it you've made yourself a slave to sin word of God also says that it's like a dog returning to his vomit yeah. so it's like a dog eats something he shouldn't have eaten it to begin with it, it throws it, it up yeah throw, he, he gets sick he throws it up and he still didn't learn goes back and eats the vomit well I mean here, and here's the thing you know, that scripture, verse 32, it says, it says, then you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that's truly the answer, no matter what your face like. Well, well, what if someone's struggling with this? God loves them and wants a relationship with them. Well, what if they're dealing with this? God loves them and wants a relationship with them. Well, what if they're struggling on heroin? God loves them and wants a relationship with them. And if the more they come to know him, the freer they're going to become. And that's what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, then you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. See, it's not about just trying... There's a lot of people out there who don't know Jesus that are striving to do the right thing. Just, man, I want to I wanna do what's right. But even doing right can put us in bondage. The only thing that sets us free is knowing him. That's the thing, is to know him. I know there's a lot of people out there right now, man, like, and, and, he, and here's the truth. Here's the gospel. The gospel that Jesus preached is, is repent. Change your thinking. Turn away. Repent and return to, 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 to the Father through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And what the gospel, man, truly does, the gospel's simple. You know, sometimes when you go and it's, it's all these, it may, everything's made so complicated. The gospel is that we're all, we all, every human being on this earth has fallen short. And Jesus came to redeem us, came to pay the penalty, to reconcile, bring us back to God. Mm. And see, religion starts putting people in, in categories of, well, they're the pastor, they're the deacon, they're the this, they're the that, and it starts putting people in levels. What the gospel does is say, listen, all of y'all are wicked. All of y'all are the same. Well, I ain't never done that. I ain't never done. Man, all of y'all are wicked. And you are in need of, of, of a savior, and that savior is Jesus. Man, the, the, the truth for every one of us is most simply said in that the one who knew no sin became sin that we might be called the righteousness of God. Wow. So if you don't understand the gospel, that that scripture is the entirety of it. That the one who knew no sin, meaning Jesus, who had never committed any sin, no unrighteousness was found in him, no wrong right. ever committed by him. The one who knew no sin became our sin, meaning upon the cross, as Jesus hung upon the cross, he literally became Brian's sin and David's right. sin. So that now when the Father looks upon Jesus on the cross, he sees my life, he sees your life, he sees our sin, 
And now when he looks upon Brian and David, he doesn't see the sinful life that Brian and David live. Instead, he sees the righteousness of Jesus upon us. Yeah. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, when it says that we put on the breastplate of righteousness, not our own, we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's what we trust in. So we literally are the righteousness of God. Right. This is why we call ourselves saints. Simultaneously, we're sinners. Right. But before God, we're saints. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the God. The gospel isn't, wow, look, I'm good. Wow, look, David, the, the gospel is that he is good. The gospel is because of Jesus, I'm free. Because of Jesus. And, 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 man, here, and this is, a, I think, the, the, the thing that Jesus would want people to see. Because that's what happened. People, Jesus showed up. And that, like that verse you just read in verse 34, they're like, man, how, we, we've never been in bondage. You know, we're more righteous than these people. Jesus said, listen, unless you recognize that you're broken, Unless you recognize that you are sick, then man, you cannot receive this this gospel. The Bible, Jesus even told me something. I didn't come for the well, you know. And that's the thing, man. In order to receive the gospel, we gotta recognize that we're broken, that we're 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 in need of a savior, and that is the gospel. Man, the gospel is that we are broken, that we're still broken. So when do you need a savior? Every single day. That's what Jesus told him, and he said, uh. When you look, there was a scripture, there was all these people that was following Jesus. A bunch of people came out and they was following him. I think it's like in John 6, toward the end of the chapter, he said, there was all these people that was following him. I think it's like John 6, uh, 60 something. But it said all, a big multitude came out and followed Jesus. Jesus said, listen, if you want to continue to follow me, you're going to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And this is what they said. They said, man, Jesus, this is a hard saying. Who can do this? He said, many turned and walked with him no more. And then he turned to the, the regular disciples, the 12 that he had with him. He said, man, are y'all going to go home too? And Peter said this. He said, man, he said, where can we go? See, Peter recognized that he was broken. He was thrown off, that he was discord. This is the same person later in the gospel who denied Jesus. You know, but he said, but, but what he recognized was he could not do it See, without Jesus. And, and that's the whole thing. Once we're set free, what, where what can we, we go? What do we do with that freedom? Right. And where we, you know, you said that they said that's a hard saying. Right. And many turned away and left. Jesus also told him, he said, the one that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Right. You know, which for anybody that knows the word of God at all, it elicits images of Lot's wife. You yeah. know, and you think about that righteousness was credited to Lot's account. Yeah. No one thinks of Lot as righteous. We know it's crazy. There's a scripture. There's a scripture. Oh, yeah. What do you got? So Ted and Debbie Bowen. Mm -hmm. so, so you say uh, what do you guys think about deliverance ministry and its current growth I mean I, I think that's what Jesus thought about it man they people people are in need of deliverance Jesus is our deliverance look in math in in the book of Matthew what in the that's a good Matthew, question very good question Jesus they asked Jesus they said you know uh, teach us how to pray yeah. and one of the things that Jesus said is deliver us from evil Right. Jesus is our deliverer. Yeah. And so Jesus is, you know, the word of God teaches us that, that Jesus uh, has sent us out to, for healing. Yeah. Jesus has sent us out to free those that are afflicted of demons. Mm -hmm. We are, the power of Jesus is still in us to free those who are oppressed. Yeah. Um, what do I think about the current growth in deliverance ministry? I mean, I... I think this, there's a scripture in the word of God that says, do not despise prophecy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people read right over that. They don't give it much thought, but I've given a lot of thought recently. 
why would why would that warning ever be given? Do not despise prophecy. Well, it's actually if you again with a biblical worldview examination of the Bible tells you a lot about it. So you can look into the book of Jeremiah, and I think it, it gives you great insight into that. So in Jeremiah, you you've got um, another prophet also. His name is Hananiah, okay. and Hananiah is going around and he's telling everybody um, that they're about to be removed from captivity. So this is taking place. It's, it's running parallel to the story of Daniel. So the Babylonians have taken the Jewish people into captivity. They've robbed the temple of everything that's precious in the temple. And, and the Jewish people, the, the nation, is distraught, right? And so you've got prophets that are going around and they're tickling people's ears. In other words, they're telling people what they want to hear. So you've got this guy, Hananiah, and he's going around telling everyone. He's not the only one doing this. Hey, God is going to set us free. Thus saith the Lord. He's going he's gonna to be with us. We're going to go into battle. We're going to get out of here. We're going home and all of these things. And that's what everybody wanted to hear. And so, of course, everybody's getting really excited. And then you've got Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah comes along and basically says, hey, I wish this were true. Right. But the fact of the matter is this. God says that it's our rebellion and our wickedness that's brought us to this place. And he means to discipline the one that he loves. So the fact of the matter is this. We're going to be here for about 70 years. Settle down, build houses, get wives. Right. But don't worry. God's got a future, a plan, and a hope for us. That's the famous scripture that everybody knows from Jeremiah, right? right. But essentially what he's saying is your grandkids will see it. Hananiah comes along because he doesn't like being challenged like this because he's being called a false prophet. And he goes to, to Jeremiah and rips the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, humiliating him and, say, and telling Jeremiah, you're the false prophet. God's going to get us out of here. So Jeremiah coolly responds. He says, look, I hope you're right. It'd be great if we all got out of here. That'd be awesome. But if you're wrong, you're a dead man. And Hananiah was wrong. And so what happens? People get tired of getting false prophecy, getting their hopes up only to get let down, getting, yo you know, it's like the yo-yo effect. So the natural reaction for people, the tendency is to say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with prophecy. I hate prophecy, right? But the Word of God says don't despise prophecy. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You need a greater sense of discernment. And so the same is true, I think, of all of the gifts, this happens with this happens with tongues. This happens with deliverance. People will will make a spectacle and a show out of things, and the people the you know the people who are observing are kind of left wondering what's going on. But just because something is made uh, a spectacle of, right. some people may be misusing something, but the gift the, the actual gift is still a gift from God. I, I and have, we can't despise it. And you know, to answer your I've question, personally gone through a deliverance ministry and, and yeah. have been delivered. Of, I've been of delivered from much. a lot of things. Here's what I think about deliverance too. There's some people that somebody may, let's say somebody's bound up with addiction or something. They say, well, man, if they just love God, they wouldn't do that. This is kind of how I, I see deliverance. There's some people, they're struggling with some things that they're in a position where someone needs to set them free. It's not an issue of like, well, man, if they love God and they just, man, there, there's some people out there right now who's strung out on heroin that love God. They need deliverance. There's some people out there who's bound up with certain things, almost like they're tied up and they need someone to set them free. Well, who's the person who can set you free? Jesus and God's people. You know, that, like, you know, you can come. Some people may need to be discipled, but before some people can be discipled, they need to be they need to go through some deliverance. And here's the crazy thing. You can be walking in freedom in a lot of areas of your life, be a leader in a lot of areas of your life, in a lot of areas of your life and need deliverance in a certain area. I know a lot of good people who need deliverance. 
in 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 their attitudes and their finances. And it's not an issue whether they love Jesus or not. They're just bound up in certain areas. There's, there's strongholds that's coming in their life, and they need deliverance. Look, Galatians. You know, look, deliverance is deliverance. I I believe in it. It's a valid ministry. It's happening the, through the power of Jesus. It's happening every day. For sure. But look, the, I mean, to we're me, all this is a, of this is very very important to to keep in mind when considering the ministry of deliverance. It says this. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse uh, starting in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Right. Now check this out. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here it is. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, Word. lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past. So look, all the things that we assign to demons, the Bible is telling us this is the work of the flesh. Right. In other words, look, I know that people are demonically oppressed. Right. But, that's a, but that, that's so sure. often we're un, we're unwilling to look and say, hey, you know, maybe the maybe the devil doesn't even have to doesn't even have to get involved here because my flesh, I'm gratifying my flesh so much that it's not the devil at all. It's just my flesh. And what I need is I need to walk in the spirit because what so many people still don't understand, people have been claiming to know Christ for a decade. But they don't understand that if you gratify the flesh, that it's the flesh that grows stronger. And when you gratify the flesh and it grows stronger, by effect, the, the spirit grows weaker. But on the contrary, if you gratify the spirit, if you're feeding the spirit, simultaneously, your flesh is going to grow weaker. Well, when you look, what, what did Jesus say? He said, if any man desires to come after me. You got to tell me if you got another question. Jesus said, if any man desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Deny what? What you want. I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be times as believers that people's going to make you mad, that you're going to want to act out, slap them, talk crazy to them. But what does Jesus say do? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. The cross represents a place of death, denying yourself and dying to what you want. That's what it means to truly follow Jesus. It's not about, um, well, man, I went to church today, so I'm good. I checked my box. Truly to be a follower of him, that's what, that's what, he, that's what we were talking about in the beginning. It says... Um, then he spoke to those Jews which believed upon him and he said that you continue in my word so there's a daily it's a daily thing picking up your cross it's a daily thing denying yourself he says and then you will be my disciples the word disciple means disciplined ones well how I many I know that's a lifelong journey to learn you know it's like uh, sanctification is a process you know and that's what that's what it means to walk walk with the Lord is you're daily walking with him daily denying yourself daily praying for those who hate you forgiving those who who are against you I mean man, there's nothing in yourself that you're gonna pray for those who despitefully use you there's nothing in yourself that's gonna forgive your enemies there's nothing within yourself to be able to do those things but that's what it means to be a follower of him is to say man not only are you my savior that you've dealt with my um, with with my with my spirit, that you've saved me, but also that you're my Lord, that you're my master, and that's what you you hear that you know. You sometimes we hear these church terms, and it just almost loses its. Uh, it's like we 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 become numb to what it really means. 
man, Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. A lot of times people, they're fine with Jesus being their Savior. But when it comes to the Lord aspect, when it, like, Lord, I want to surrender my Lordship of my life. I no longer want to be my master. That's where people struggle. Oh, man. I, but, but, and I mean this with all my heart. Praise be to God for what he's doing in the world right now. I had a conversation with somebody just a couple of days ago, uh, somebody from, from our church. And <clears throat> he'd had a dream, and which is, that's, a, that's another conversation in and of itself, how many folks are, are contacting me that they've, that they've had dreams in these days, just as the Word of God says yeah. would transpire. But this particular person had a dream, and I won't really give you the details of the dream, but I'll tell you what the effect of the dream was. Uh, this person has, is planning retirement. They're about a year away from retirement, and they've had a plan for retirement for, for years and years. So, you know, uh, kind of, you know, a, a typical plan, um, you know, have a place up north, have a place down here, you know, an RV, going to travel, and all of these things. And when I was asking, you know, what do you feel this dream has impressed upon you thus far? The response was, is, well, um, I, what I'm thinking now is that perhaps what God is wanting me to think about is whether or not I've considered his desires for the remaining years of my life and how I spend my retirement. And so I'm, I'm thinking maybe what God wants me to do is, is ask him, how would you like for me to spend the remaining years of my life? Well, I mean, that's what it means to follow him, you know, is, is, uh, people say, well, what do you think about this? And I think what the word says, you know, it's like, that's what we, as God's people, we have to learn to discipline ourselves, to think what he thinks, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates. You know, people say, man, what does God hate? He tells us what he hates. There's, in Proverbs, it says there's six things the Lord hates. And the seventh, one thing God hates is gossiping. One thing, you know, is stirring up strife amongst the brothers. And that's what, you know, when you look what Jesus said, he says, you will know my disciples, my dis the disciplined ones, the ones who discipline their lives, not only to allow me to be savior, but to allow me to be Lord. He said, you will know the disciples, the disciplined ones, for the love they have one to another. That's what, not whether they go to church or not. See, that's sometimes what we gauge. Well, what do they go to church? Do they know scriptures? Do they post scriptures on their Facebook? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will know my disciples, the love they have one to another. And that's and 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 not, and not just a love. You know, there's a scripture that says. Um, you know, you say you love God, or God, it says you say you love me who you've never seen, but you don't love your brother who you see. And it's like, man, that's, that's a, God is trying to put practical, saying, listen, man, how can you say you love me? And we got songs that say we love God. We got shirts, quotes, posts, and God says, but if you love me, he said, you'll prove your love for me, the love you show to people. Well, how many churches have you have you ever heard of that they're... That that's their main objective and their vision. Like we're going to love well. Well, that is, and that is the the, the aim of yeah. of the church is to love the unlovable. I think he's got another question. So I have two questions here. Uh, we'll do. We got another one from Ted and Debbie Bowen. Uh, since it's about the same topic, but there's another one that uh, I would like us to get to. So, uh, do you guys think deliverance is growing? Due to lack of discipleship. Due to lack of dis uh, discipleship. Yeah, discipleship. <laughs> Dave, do you want to? I've got thoughts. Yeah, on I mean, you, I think I, that there. I think that the the kingdom is advancing. You know, I think that God's doing. You know, the 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 work. I think there's a lot of good. You know, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You know, I think that there's a lot of things that God's doing in the earth. You know, if you watch the media and you watch the news and you watch. 
uh, you know, it's, it's doom and gloom. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of evil. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more. But I do think that there's two. I think that there's there's two parts. A lot of times when people there, well, God's going to do it and God's going to d- deliver. And God, man, God is faithful to deliver. If, if the Bible says, and I think it's in Isaiah 60, he says, that his hand is not short, that he can't reach out and get you, and his ear is not dull, that you know, he can't hear you. Mm-hmm. But it says, but your sin has separated you from your God. See, a lot of times we think what separated us from God um, is, oh, well, God is distant. God is not distant. The Bible says that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But a lot of times what, what a lot of people, they're praying, well, God fix it. God fix it. And God's faithful to do his part. But there's also a you side. There's also to every promise of God, I believe, um, what the word of God teaches is there's a Godward side and there's a manward side. You know, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So there's two things that he'll save you. So God is faithful to do his part, but we also got to be faithful to do ours. To, to believe in our heart, confess with our mouth and let him be Lord. You know, there's a lot of things we can say, God bless my finances. All right, God, you know, or God do this. God, God heal me and God heal you. And then it's like, rather than un- trying to, I mean, there are some situations where people need to be healed, but there's some situations where God said, man, I'm going to heal you. But if you keep doing the same things that brought you to this point, it's like, what do you need? You need both. Well, that's people need question. discipline. People need deliverance. There's some people out there that's like, man, they're bound up and the only if God doesn't come through their through. Well, that's her question. Her question is why like what we see deliverance ministry it's exploded. Yeah. All right, so that's the effect. What what's the cause? And she's asking if there's a if perhaps that came about as a lack of lack of discipleship and my and I would say absolutely that yeah. came about as a lack of discipleship because how do you have a bunch of people who simultaneously claim that they know Jesus, but at the same time, they are either demonized or demon-possessed? That has to come by way of a lack of discipleship. But here's my concern. While I'm not discounting uh, deliverance ministry in any way, I do find it interesting that the Bible says this, that many will come to Jesus on the day of judgment, and Jesus, and, and they will say, Jesus, we healed in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Right. Two of the biggest things that are going on in the Western church today, and that we and, and the Western church today says that this is sure evidence that God is moving and something mighty is happening. Yet these two things specifically mentioned by Jesus himself, and he says, you, they will come and they will say, we cast out demons in your name. We healed in your name. Jesus says, I will tell them, Leave, depart from me, you who work in iniquity. I didn't know you. Yeah. So that tells us a couple things. One, our primary focus for, especially as pastors and leaders, to make sure that the people know Jesus. That should be the number one objective, to know Jesus, to be known by Jesus, yeah. right? And then number two, we should understand that while these things are, are valid, healing and deliverance, we need great discernment to know if, if the Word of God says there will be ministries operating in healing and deliverance, but they don't know Jesus. Yeah. We well, should God take loves that. his people so much that he'll, he'll, he, God is the deliverer. That's the thing. God is the deliverer. But the, I think there's two sides to it, too. It's easy sometimes to pray for people. It's hard to walk out and do life with them. You know, it's like... Some, sometimes people, they need prayer and their deliverance will come from God because God is the deliverer. But then they also need somebody to walk alongside them and teach them how to do life as a believer. And that's what the Bible tells the disciples. You know, in Mark, it says, 
go out and make disciples, go out and make disciplined ones for the kingdom. Well, that's going to, sanctification is a process. And, and, and walking alongside somebody can be messy. Look, and, you said a minute ago, you said, you were talking about love. Yeah. And you said that that's, that if, if anything should, should pinpoint yeah. a believer, a follower of Jesus, love, right? But here's, here's what's concerning to me that sometimes some of the same people that are championing deliverance ministry, right, and that's, that's their big thing, are the same people that will turn around in the same service and threaten to take the microphone that God put in their hand and pop somebody in the mouth with it. That happened 45 minutes down the road. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. Both are needed. Both are needed. It's like we don't want, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And some people, they may be called, they may be a great minister of the gospel. And they may be called and they may, um, it, it may shine the spotlight on people's need to be delivered. Like, man, I, I, I'm bound up. And they may need to be delivered. But that's why it's important that people be plugged into a church, be plugged into small groups, be plugged into groups and circles where people can do life with them. Because here's the thing, it, it does no good. Um, some people, they, they're constantly in need of deliverance. Well, it's like, okay, hey, man, the Lord is faithful. There's been times in my life, you know, I, I don't got to point the finger very far. I can look in my own life and say, see where God has delivered me. But then I didn't operate in the principles of the word, and I feel myself right back in the same situation. Well, that's why that scripture says the works of the flesh are evident. He's got another question. I hope that answered I, I think, the question. I think so. Yeah. Ask him. Does that help? Tell us if that helped, yeah. uh, Debbie. So I think it's both. You know, there's people who need deliverance, and there's people who, you know. There's people that just need to be obedient. They need to be obedient, you know. What's the next question? Uh, she said, thank you. Uh, the next question is Sarah Lynn, Cheval uh, Sarah Lynn Chevalier. Uh, as I am studying the Bible, I at times find it hard to understand. <clears throat> is there an easier version to help understand correctly what they are trying to say? Well, you know, there's, there's more versions of the Bible at this point than, than someone can, you know, someone can count for it for an easy read version of the Bible. My, my personal uh, favorite is the New King James Version. Now, I like it because um, other, other translations I found some, some troubling uh, things with. ESV and the NIV, there's whole, whole verses uh, missing. Um, you know, in the book of Matthew, um, important verses like the, the scripture that says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You won't find that verse in the NIV or the ESV, and in many versions of the Holman Christian Standard, uh, it's not there either. So an easy-to-read version, uh, I understand the, the desire for it. And let me also say I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to protect you and give you what it is that He wants you to get out of the Word of God. But I like the New King James Version. I also suggest to people um, trying to listen to it uh, through, you know, through audio. Some people you know, uh, will absorb the Word of God better through hearing it than through yeah. reading it. But and, and David, I'm sure you've got things uh, to say about this too, but the most important thing is understanding that all of us, my, myself, David, no, none of us are different. We understand the Word of God by way of the Holy Spirit. And that, that's what the Word of God says, that, that the only way that we can understand this is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and going to God and saying, I'm about to go to your Word. Yeah. I want you to reveal in your Word what you want me to receive. And if you do that, you will receive what God yeah. wants you to receive, and you will find yourself 
growing in it. The Word of God says that at first you'll receive the Word of God as a newborn receives its mother's milk. And so just like a newborn can't, can't really digest solid food at first, they're living off milk. The believer spiritually is the same way. So you're going to find that, you know, you're first going to understand the, the basic principles of salvation. And then God will allow you to absorb a little bit more until finally, as Paul said, you'll be ready for meat. And then once you can digest that, then the the, the idea, we're supposed to move from being hearers only to being people yeah. that help teach the word. And I think, too, you know, the Bible, the Bible says there's, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, it says, if you draw near to God, then he'll draw near to you. And I think, you know, um, the main thing is just keep make, having a desire to draw near to him. You know, and I think that you'll begin, you'll find yourself understanding more. But I mean, I think there is, there is some versions that are obviously easier to read. And, um, but I think the main thing is like, just keep drawing near to him. You know, and I think that he'll, he, he, he for sure will keep drawing near to you. So, hope that, I mean, I think between the two. Yeah, does that help? Let us know if that helps, or if you if you'd like to piggyback off that and get get some clarification. You got another question, Will? No. I, mean, I think that's good, you know. And I think I, I think the the thing that people need to see in the in the world, I man, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of issues in the world, a lot of problems in the world. And I think it's easy to to um, focus on the problems, but the Bible is clear. It says where where sin abounds, where there's a bunch of sin, where there's a bunch of sin in the world. God's grace is more is more present. You know, and I think, man, that's what we got. You know, I think it was Elijah and Elisha. He said, man, Lord, open his eyes so he can see that there's more with us than there is with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if if we don't, you know, Brian's podcast is a biblical worldview. That's the name of this and uh, the podcast. And it's easy. I hear so many people, they do more almost preaching about the how powerful the devil is. Like, oh, man, the devil's at work. The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. Man, what's God doing? You know, like, man, God's moving. God is faithful, you know? And I think that's what Elijah was telling Elisha. is like, man, open his eyes. That he can see there's more with us man, than there is with them. That, that, that's huge. The, everybody's dwelling on, on the, the things that are discouraging, the darkness. And God knows that we are prone to dwell, that we ruminate on things. And that's yeah. why in the book of Philippians, God says, if you're going to dwell on anything, dwell is, is always a word that has a negative connotation. Yeah. And so that the the wording here, I believe, has intent and purpose. If you're going to dwell on anything, dwell on that which is good, yeah. lovely, commendable, pure, and true. So God is telling you, when you find yourself dwelling on that which is ugly, you're supposed to take that thought captive. You take power over it. You you choose to take that thought captive, and then you switch over to a to a different mindset, and you dwell on the things that are good, lovely, positive. And you know what's crazy about that scripture? You know, the, there's another version that says, it says, set your mind on things that are above, things that are lovely, just, pure, honest, you know, all these things. And here's the thing. God's not going to do that for you. That's something that we have to do. First Peter says, it says, gird up the, 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 uh, the gird up your robe, right? But, but for us, it'd be more like roll up the sleeves of your mind and get to work with God. In other words, people have to form different thought patterns. And that's science. We understand that now. When you, when you purpose yourself to think different, you will form new neural pathways and you will have different thought patterns. And there's people out there who love God. That's why the Bible says in, in Romans 12, uh, I think it's one and two, it says, I beseech you or I beg you. That's what it's saying. I beg you, brothers and sisters. It's not talking to the world. It's talking to us. He says, I beg you, brothers 
that you would um, present yourself to, uh, to the Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is reasonable service. And then in verse two, it says, be not conformed to this world. So he's talking to Christians. Yeah. He's saying, listen, I know y'all love God. He said, but listen, stop acting like the world. But how do we do that? It says, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Well, Lord, how are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And this how is, is our mind renewed? It's by the, 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 the word is going to wash our mind. If you, it, you can love God, but if you keep finding yourself setting your mind uh, on what the news is saying or, or what the report, this report or that report or this report, you can love the Lord. But your mind can be full of anxiety, worry, fear. Um, and that's why it says, brothers, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be worrying about what, because I'm going to tell you, I don't care how much you love God. If you watch CNN all day long, you're going to, man, you're going to get, your mind is going to be conflicted. Conform to the world. All right. Next question. Uh, Brandon Torres Hunt. Can someone be saved, then become saved again after straying away from God? Or was it from a lack of connection with God the first time, or maybe a blurry image of what really being saved is? Well, I mean, I think there's there's being born again, and you know, there's going to be a lot of people who's going to argue about this right here. But there, I believe there's being born again, and then there's being sanctified. You know, you you. But the Bible says this: is whoever, if if you love me, then you'll do what? You'll keep His commandments. You know, but I be, like I believe that what we were just talking about, renewing your mind. You can be born again. You can come to church and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, and you can live in the sanctification process. You can be being transformed for ten years, you know, and then just start setting your mind on the world, and you're going to start falling back. That's not an issue of you know, well, you know, uh, they wasn't saved enough. <clears throat> I don't care how much you love the Lord, if you keep on staying away from his words, staying out of settings that his words going forward, uh, man, keep on setting your mind on, and you, if your mind's not being renewed, you're going to find yourself, you know, if you're not moving forward in your walk with the Lord, just like any other relationship, I could love my wife, but just not talk to her for a year and, uh, our relationship is going to suffer, you know? So we talked about earlier, you know, I see two different <clears throat> Two different kinds of uh, two groups of people. When in, in that question, you know, we were talking about earlier uh, King David, yeah. And King David was somebody that was a man after God's own heart. We know that we read that in the Word of God. That's yeah. what God said. About if you if you were there to observe King David's life and you watched him ob observe Bathsheba on a roof taking a bath, that's not his wife, but he's lusting after. Then he has someone bring the woman to him. He, he premeditates all this. He sleeps with her. He impregnates her. He still doesn't repent. Charles he, takes that, he takes her husband and has him killed. Yet, the Word of God says this is a man that was after God's own heart, right? Okay, so we, th that's, an, that's a very interesting situation to observe in light of that question. Now, on the flip side, the Word of God says that, that the Word of God itself is called the seed and that seed, the Word of God, falls on exactly four different kinds of hearts. Not three. There's not three different kinds of hearts. There's not five different kinds of hearts. There are exactly four kinds of hearts, four different kinds of people that receive the Word of God. And the Word, there's, there's, 
there's the first one. It falls on the ground. It's never got a chance. It's the rocky ground. It's on the path. And it says before it can do anything that the devil comes, represented by a bird, snatches up the seed, carries it away. It does nothing. The second kind, though, that's really interesting because this one, it says that it falls on the ground. It puts down root and it grows up a little bit, but then the sun hits it and it burns up. And then Jesus says, let me tell you what that means. This is the one that will come into a church gathering. They'll receive the word. And if you observe it, they receive it with joy. They'll run down front. They'll say a prayer. They start saying, oh, man, I love Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. But then it says they leave and they get out into the world. Yeah. And when people start being worldly, they forget all about the, the, what, the, what happened and the joy they had. And it dries up. It withers away. In other words, it was never real. Yeah. Now, you think about today's church. And how many people we observe do that? They come in and we say they get saved. They walk out the door. We lose track of them. We never see them again. The Word of God says that that person... So the reality is this. God observes our heart. And what God knows is this. You know, when we ask questions like that, we want a, a cut and dry answer. Yeah. But the reality is this, do you know in your heart that your desire is to know and love Jesus? Yeah, there's a scripture in uh, Hebrews that says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. So I mean, when you think about that, it's like, what, what is your aim? That's the real thing is the Lord. See, a lot of times, like you said, we want to figure out like men, we want everything to be black and white. And some things are black and white, but some things is, man, the Lord is saying, man, what was your intent? Because, I mean, that's what the Pharisees said. So, man, we're doing everything right. Man, we're, we're, and the Lord said, man, y'all, y'all are praising me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. See, God's not impressed sometimes with what you do as much as, as, he's, as he is with why you're doing it. You know, when you look at Cain and Abel, man, both of them brought a sacrifice to the Lord. That's what he required of them. They both brought a sacrifice. He said one he received, one he didn't receive. So it wasn't an issue so much of what they was doing rather than why they was doing it. So that's why it's hard sometimes, like, man, listen, there's going to be some people that they're doing everything that seems to be right. And the Lord says, man, I didn't receive none of that stuff. There's going to be some people that are struggling. You're like, man, there ain't no way they're right with God. And God says, man, their intent was to please me. So it's like, man, you know, you look at some people, man, you think, man, they got to be doing everything right. Well, according to, you know, Cain and Abel, man, they both were required to bring a sacrifice. Did they bring a sacrifice? Yeah. The Bible says that God didn't receive one of them sacrifice. Why? Because there wasn't from their heart. You know, it's like, you say, man, they gotta be holy, man. Look at them over there worshiping. Man, true, you know, anybody can sing a song. You could, you know, you might just be a good singer. Somebody else might be struggling, but their heart and their aim is to please Jesus. You know, and that's why, man, you know, that's why the Bible says, it says, woe unto you when you offend these little ones. It says, man, now this is Jesus. He said, it's better than a milestone be hung around your neck and you thrown into the ocean to offend these little ones. That's why sometimes, man, you don't need to go around trying to rip everybody up and discourage them. Oh, they're not real. They're not this. Man, listen. Sometimes the best thing you can do, because there's a scripture. Well, you think about uh, in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love hopes all things. Man, I ain't out here trying to uh, hope that someone's not doing right. Now, I'm going to challenge you with the truth. I'm going to give you grace, grace and truth. But, man, it's like I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we're so suspicious of other people. We're mean to other people. As soon as somebody falls short, we want to, man, oh, they're not they're not for real. Sometimes, man, people are struggling. And what people need is they need truth. And, and that's the thing. People need truth, but they also need grace. They need mercy. 
and they need forgiveness, and they need somebody to walk alongside them, and they need somebody to help them. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a product of people showing me mercy. Mm. But I'm also a product of people telling me the truth. That's right. I'm a product of people giving me grace. I'm a product of people giving me mercy. And it's just like, man, I know that uh, when you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't go hard on people, but he would tell them the truth. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Neither do I condemn you. He said, she, he said, he said woman, where are your accusers? He said, Lord, I have none. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So did he tell the truth? Yeah, hey, listen, I'm requiring you not to keep living like that. But I'm not going to condemn you. And see, that's how we got to be the people. We have to give people truth. And then what did that love. woman do after that? She wanted to know Jesus. Right. That's what I would, me personally, that's what I would say to, to Brandon or anybody else that's wrestling with that. And I, and I know that many are. And, and rightly so. The Word of God yeah, says, of work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? In other words, fear of what? Fear of the Lord. He's got a heaven and a hell to put me in, but understanding that perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with torment and punishment. Right. And if I know Jesus and I am covered in his righteousness, I have no fear of torment or punishment because I've been set free from all of that. So what what must we do? We must know Jesus. That's why, I mean, anybody that, that's wrestling that today, that's what I would tell them. Man, you, you need to pray and say, Jesus, that I would know you. That like you like that I would know you even as I am fully known. Jesus, you know, you know me down to the number of hairs on my head. One falls out and you know it. Jesus, I I would I would like to know you in that way. Well, and two, I think sometimes, man, you know, when you look at the heart, this will be the most familiar scripture. This is when you learn when you're from your kid. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. He didn't just sit up in heaven and yell down and say, I love you. He said he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he didn't want no one to perish. Now, if God don't want no one to perish, that should be my heart too. And I think sometimes we, we get saved by his grace. And then we want to keep people out and disqualify them. Like, no, nah, no, nah, they're not good enough. Now, there is a qualification. And that truth it doesn't change. Truth truth is, you know, Jesus, what we talked about earlier, you know, hey, if you desire to come after me, you got to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross. You have to, to, you have to be willing to die to yourself. But here's the thing is, man, Jesus, what did I do to receive Jesus? Man, I received him. So, man, you know, I think sometimes it'd be like, well, man, they're struggling with this. Do you think they're really saying, hey, listen, man, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe and I'm going to love and I'm going to get alongside people and I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to help as many people overcome as I can. I ain't out here trying to, man, tear people Bless down. Bless is the one that gives mercy because it'll obtain mercy. He's got another one. All right. <clears throat> We've got another one from Sarah Lynn Chevalier. This one's kind of long. Uh, what about all the people who have never heard about Jesus or who haven't heard anything beyond the existence of a religion called Christianity? That's a good question. Why would God randomly, by virtue of their birthplace and time, and cruelly deny, uh, cruelly deny people access to salvation? Or does he give them a free pass undermining the requirement of Jesus? There's no, there, there is no circumventing the justice of God, and there is no favoritism in God. Uh, there's the only, the, the, as close as we come to a free pass is receiving Jesus Christ and, and receiving him, uh, we receive salvation. And but God's what the word of God, true. well, what the word of God says, the word of God says that, that to those where there is no law, um, that they are a law unto themselves. In other words, Jesus will look 
Jesus will look into the heart of someone that is that has never been presented that gospel, and he knows if they are desiring of him. Now, aside from that, right now in the world, there's nothing that God cannot do. You you can go, you said this girl's name is Sarah. Sarah, you should go look at what That's God is. That's a good is, question. Too, oh, it's it? an excellent question. Go look at what God, what Jesus Christ is doing with Muslims right now. It is it is absolutely astounding. You're not going to see it reported in mainstream media, but you can go and do a, a quick search on on TikTok, for instance. You know, uh, Muslims having dreams of Jesus Christ. These people have never been presented the gospel before in their life. They, in fact, they live in places where the mention of Jesus Christ will will cost you your head. Yet these people are laying their head down at nighttime and having dre- dreams of Jesus. Uh, I read about one. Uh, recently, the guy had a dream and he was walking through the desert and out um, on the horizon, he said he saw an object coming up out of the sand and the, and uh, he got a little bit closer. The object is, is rising further up and it's a cross. And then from behind that cross comes a figure that's bathed in light. And as the figure walks toward him, he can kind of uh, gain a little bit of clarity. And then he uh, the character introduces himself as Jesus Christ. This man wakes up the next day. He's never heard of this. He doesn't know anything about it. And he goes searching for the meaning of this dream. And now he knows Jesus Christ and calls him Lord. Um, I think I think this too, um, th- I, I can speak to my experience. That um, Jesus said, Jesus is clear. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Here's something that I think, though, that I, that I know from myself. Even before I had, not, not that I know everything because I there's man I don't I know what I know and and I mean and uh, I know even before I really came to church didn't know a whole lot of things I knew that I was convicted of my sin I knew there were times I would find myself man doing some crazy stuff and I would lay in bed at night and I knew that I was not I was at odds with my creator I knew that and I knew that God was calling me I didn't know everything about him I didn't know how church worked I didn't know um I didn't know no scriptures, but I knew in my heart that I was at odds with my creator. I knew that. And I knew that God was calling me. I didn't know, understand how. And I think, um, I think that's a really good question. I've even, I even thought that before, man. Like, you know, what about this? What about, but this is what I know. I know that in Psalms it says, Lord, your judgment is true. And I know, I know one time I invited a friend of mine to church who, who had spent a lot of time in the penitentiary. And I heard the pastor in the front, he said, uh, turn to Genesis. And see, I've been in church for a while now, so I know where Genesis is at, and I know a little bit about that. And uh, he turned to me, he said, hey, what page is that on? And this is what hit me at that moment. I said, man, God, if he judged me and him exactly the same, man, there's no way that would be just. But see, God knows how to judge everyone perfectly. Like, I got three children. Man, I got a 14-year-old, I got an 11-year-old, and I got a 7-year-old. If all three of them do the exact same thing, my punishment to my 14-year-old may be a little more extreme than it would be to my 7-year-old. If I gave my, held my 7-year-old at the same standard that I held my 14-year-old, that would be unjust. So I think, um, and, and let me know if that don't answer your question. Or, and if you, you want to say, I may not know the answer to the question. But I think the best that I know how to answer the question is I would say this. I say, I would say God is just, and God knows how to judge people. He knows their heart. He knows their intent. He knows every thought. He knows everything. And I know, um, I think one part of the thing said, you know, it, uh, like, wh- is that cruel of God? 
And it's like, man, I know that God, God is love and he's for people and he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And, you know, how he um, gets the gospel to people and how he convicts people's heart, man, I don't know. I don't know how God convicted my heart, but he did. I know, man, I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't out looking for Jesus. I wasn't looking out, out looking for God. Didn't want to come to church. Didn't care what nobody thought. But somehow, some way, God found me, met me, convicted my heart, changed my heart, changed my mind. And, man, I still, man, there's some days I still, man, I'm struggling with things. Well, this is what, this is what it says here in, in Romans in Romans chapter 1, and I'll, we'll look at just a couple of passages of Scripture, but in Romans chapter 1, it says this. We'll start right here in verse 16. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first, then the Gentile, right? The just shall live by faith. And then it goes on, starting in verse 18, describing what happens. Uh, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, what God is saying here is all of creation points to his very existence. Yeah, you may not Everybody, have the in-depth uh, yeah. revelation and understanding that I'm, I may not have as, as much as some people, but there, there is proof that even if you drive down the road and you've never been to church, never had a Bible, there's something on the inside of you that tells you there's a creator and that he's for you. And so then it goes on to say this, therefore God gave them up to their own uncleanness, the lust in their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. Why? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the, cre the creature rather than the creator. In other words, people, people at their core, at their heart, are, are going to make a decision. With, even without this being presented to you, we all understand that there is a God by what we are observed around us. In all of us, we decide to either gravitate toward the things of God or we find ourselves gravitating toward the things well, that's that that's what I was saying about my personal life. You know, I wasn't looking for God. Or I didn't think I was looking for God. There's even another scripture that says, like, God chose us. We didn't choose God. God is calling us. He's reaching to us. Now, what we do with that call, that's what the determining factor is, is what we do with Jesus when it's presented to us. So how God presents himself to people and how he gets the gospel to people, man, you know, different, man, it's all over the world throughout time. And truth is truth, no matter if it's in 2023 or 1823 or 1623. Um, you know, God, God is responsible to communicate to me, and I'm responsible for how I respond when he communicates to me. Look, just a couple of other things that I would That's point you question. to, like to, to look at it on your own. There, there's a place where, where Paul comes to a place that's called Mars Hill, and they've got a, a monument erected to the unknown God. And what Paul points out to them is this unknown God, you've not known what to call him, but it's the very God that I've come to tell you about. And the reality is this, there are some people who, who have sought after God and they know God. Um, yeah, that's, that is a great question. He's got another one right now. But, hey, but if, they don't, if they don't answer it, ask what, what wasn't answered and we'll try our best. Amen. There's people who's far more qualified to answer these questions than us, but but I will say this. I'll say that um, 
I know there's another question, but I just want to, I want to say something. Hey, I want to say this. I feel completely sure of how to answer this question. And if you want to DM me or if you want to get in contact with me, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And we can have an in-depth conversation. There's a, there's a, um, theologically and doctrinally speaking, there's a lot to this question. And no one wants to give you a flippant answer. And yeah. nobody, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to detract from the gospel and give an answer that, that is designed to make someone uh, feel good. I don't want to tickle ears, but there are very real biblical answers to these sure. questions. But it's, it's, it, it'll, it's pretty complex, and it'll take some time uh, to discuss. So if you want to reach yeah, out, either one like was, to continue yeah, on Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I just didn't want to buzz past it, and I didn't want, but I, I do know that God is always reaching to us. He's communicating with us. Through even in like Romans, in the first chapter of Romans, it said that all of creation bears witness that God is real and that God wants a relationship with you. You know, God created air. God doesn't need air to breathe. He don't, he don't need air. Why did he create air? For us. Why did he create sunlight? For us. Why did he make food taste good? Everything that he created was good. It was to reach us. And, 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 and how we respond that when he's reaching, that's what determines. But, but, not, but Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. And how Jesus chooses to, to present himself to people is, is, is um, through his word. And, and he's doing it in some places that the, the government may try to ban the word. They may try to, but Jesus is still going to get himself to people. There's countries that, they, that they don't, they're not allowed to have the Bible. The Bible will still find itself to them. The word of God will still make its way because God's going to make a way. Do you have another question, Will? Uh, yeah, so there are two questions. Uh, we got a follow-up question. Uh, Kimberly, we'll get to you here in just a second. Um, Sarah Lynn asks, again, or asks, Is it wrong then to question the things God does? Should I even be questioning Him at all? Because what after years and years His Word, as we read it, now is correct? Wait. Say that, say that last part again. Because what after years and years his word as we read it now is correct. Sarah, we might need some clarification on, on that question, but I, I will say this. Well, the first part of the question, I don't mean to cut you off. First part of your question was, is it okay to question God? Um, I, I think if, you're, if your intent is to really, like God, God can handle our questions. You know, and I think that, that, that not only is God uh, capable of handling our questions, I think as any, some, like I love my children, I'm not mad if they ask me a question. God's not mad if you've asked any question. And I mean, if we can't question God, now if our, if our intent is against God and we're trying to disprove God, I mean, even God can handle that. You know, God, God's, God is, is so in love with you and he's so for you. And whatever question that's in your heart, man, there, there, there's an answer for every question and there's a remedy for every question. So my answer to the first part of your question, I didn't fully understand the second half of your question, but the first is like, man, yeah, if, there, if you have a question in your heart, you know, you look in the book of Psalms, man, King David, he had plenty of questions for God. God, why did you do this? Why did you do this? But David's heart was always for God. And that's why when I said his judgment is true, that's some things that David would say. He said, man, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why that happened. But God, I know your judgment's true. I know when my dad passed, my, my love, man, I love my dad so much. There was a question in my heart, like, man, why did that happen? You, you know the, the honest answer to that question? I don't know. I don't know why my dad died before he was 60 years old. 
But I know that when I go and ask God, God, why did that happen? He gave me comfort. He gave me peace. He gave me his presence. So I would say, man, whatever question you have, I mean, that's what, um, you know, Jesus, when he, the disciples asked him how to pray, he taught them to pray like this, our father, he's your father. You know, if you draw near to, the, to God through Jesus Christ, he, he wants to receive you as his daughter. And I know if any time my kids have a question, I mean, I, my heart is to answer their question. So I, the first, I didn't understand the second half of your question, but there's a, she has a response here. Was it translated correctly over the years? With the Bible? Yeah, because uh, what after years and years is where I'm guessing is trend, uh, what, what after years and years his word as we read it now is correct? Like, was it yeah, right. was, correct? Has something been changed? Over the years. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, a, that's also a really good question. Um, what was it? Uh, not uh, in the 60s or 70s when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls? 1948. Not, 1948, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which was... Uh, um, no, no. In 1948, um, that's, that's when Israel. That's when Israel became. Well, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know the exact year. Brian may know. They found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Bible that we read, the same scriptures that we read, is the same things. And from you know before when Jesus came, obviously there wasn't a, the New Testament is the writings about Jesus, but the same things that we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls was the same text that Jesus was reading, and you know it's the same, and and, and those, those are thousands of years old. Which is a miracle in and of itself. The the best way that I've ever heard that described is this. Everybody played the telephone game in school. Yeah. And whenever you play that game, the result is most is is most always the same. You start with with uh with a statement and you go through ten, maybe a dozen kids and by the end the statement is completely twisted and it's something completely different than what it started. Right. And that's just the reality, um, whenever uh something verbal is passed from person to person. However, the Bible, the earliest translations that we have are unchanged from the translations that we have today. And that's not true of any other text. Uh, that's not true with, the, um, with Homer's, the Iliad and the Odyssey. Right. That's not true with, uh, with translations, early translations of Moby Dick to the later translations of Moby Dick. With the, this doesn't happen with any other literary text um, on the planet. But with the Bible, we have a text that has been perfectly preserved and unchanged over the course of thousands of years. So, yes, I, I believe, and, and I believe I'm backed up by much research. Um, David is backed yeah, I up believe, by much fact. When people ask me that question, it's like, man, do you believe the Word of God? I believe that the Word of God is, is the, the inspired Word of the Creator. I believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And, you know, something... Um, that really helped me in my walk with the Lord. One, uh, there was this man who came to Jesus. And he said, "Jesus, what is the greatest commandment?" You know, there, there's there was uh, you know ten commandments. There's lots of laws. And this person asked Jesus. They said, "Jesus, what is the greatest commandment?" And Jesus said, um, "Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." And he said, "The second commandment is like unto it." He said, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." And then Jesus said this. He said, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, listen, you can sum everything points back to this. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's like the word of God, um, to answer your question, two-part, yes, I believe the word of God is, is, the, is the same. I believe it's the divine-inspired word of God. But I also believe that... Um, 
the word of God is alive. It's so deep. It's so, um, but it's also simple. It's simple in the fact that the whole Bible is pointing you to love him because he loves you. And he's reaching to you. He wants a relationship with you. That's the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible was so he could communicate to you, to let you know that he's for you, that he's reaching to you, that he wants a relationship with you. The purpose of him sending Jesus Christ was because he wanted to be in relationship with you. So, man, great question. You got some really good questions. All right, we have one from Kimberly Grant. Uh, I want to tithe, but I do not have a home church. Uh, I don't know what to do. Also, I live alone and work two jobs. I don't feel I can tithe from my earnings before bills, but I know I should give to God uh, first. I live paycheck to paycheck, so it is hard. I should add, I am praying for a, uh, I am praying for a home church and Christian fellowship. That's awesome. I'll be praying, praying for you about that as well. And I think that your desire is pure. You said you desire to to have a home church. You desire to be. Um, in a community and, and God desires that and you desire to give you know in the book of James it said um, there's uh, a pure and undefiled religion you know is to um, take care of the widows take care of the orphans to give to give to the poor and you know that was what the you know that that's that shows that your heart is right and I think that uh, you know you said can you can you do that do you believe you can do that um, and, and still make it um Man, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is true. You know, the kingdom t teaches us to give. You know, the, the Bible teaches us to be givers. And, uh, man, we, you know, God is faithful to his word. You know, and I think when we step out and we do what his word calls us to do, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's forgive or give to the poor or, or whatever, that God's faithful. I, I'm weary. I'm weary of the type of people that will compel somebody to give. And act like God is is uh, some kind of a genie. In other words, when someone says, "Hey, if if you will if you will sow like this, then God guaranteed is good." Yeah, that's not what God. That wasn't what God come. was teaching. But what the Word of God, what the Word of God does teach is this: the Word of God says that there's one area that we can test God in, and it's giving. He says that we will never outgive Him. Right? He says to test His faithfulness in this. The Word of God also says, let nobody give under compulsion, but let everybody give cheerfully and as they've decided in their own heart. But what God desires out of His sons and daughters is, is not that we would give because God needs what we have. Everything that we have came from God. It all belongs to God, and God has gifted it to us. But what God explains to us throughout His Word is that if we will trust His faithfulness, and if we will give, sometimes it's scary to give, and I've certainly been in that, that this same exact situation, Kimberly. But it's my experience that if we will step out in faith and we will give, then we will find God to be faithful to his word. And I, I've never seen God let me down yet. And so what I would say is this. Um, try him. Try him. Test it. You know, if 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 you make five hundred dollars a week, go ahead and make your first. You know, make that be the first thing that you pay. Um, give fifty dollars of it um, to the Lord, and and see see what He does according to the Word of God. If you do it with the right heart, now again, heart heart is everything, and the Lord knows our heart. You know, I, I would never suggest to somebody that they just say, well, hey, look, I'm I'm looking to turn $50 into 500 so I'm going to sow this seed yeah, and, expecting to get $500. And there's a lot of false back. teaching out there about trying to, you know, pressure people to give or 
you know, the Bible says, let every man, what, that's what Brian was talking about, let every man give from what's in his heart. You know, not grudgingly, not out of necessity. You're not giving to get. You're not giving because someone's pressuring you to give. You know, there's even a scripture that God says, man, if you have all with somebody, you've got a problem with somebody, he says, man, don't even give a gift. Go make it right with them. See, God's more concerned about people than he is. God doesn't need my money, but God does tell me to give. Why? Because he's wanting me to be like him. God isn't trying to, I'm not, God's people aren't, aren't takers. We're givers. But God knows about his sons and daughters that, that the thing that we that we hold on to the tightest that the, and the thing that we get the most fear over is our stuff, is our yeah, money. money. And so Thanks. look the whole the 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 whole reality of this gospel is that God is calling us out into waters that are deeper than what we what we want to go and, and we, we can't even see the depth, we can't see the bottom. And so giving is is just a way that we get to know God and his faithfulness more. Yeah. He asks us to do something sacrificially. We sacrificially give um, without understanding how it is that, that God is going to uh, is is going to um, respond to that. Mm-hmm. But we trust His faithfulness. And when you hear people talk about like a, a faith gospel or a prosperity gospel or this gospel or that gospel, anything that's got to be added to the gospel ain't the gospel. The gospel is complete in itself. Let's take one more question and we'll wrap up. I hope that answers you. But if none of what we're answering asks our questions, answer your questions and y'all DM us. I just put it in there. We'll try to get it. And that and that really that that's important. That you is know, yeah. Like we do, we don't want to just do this just for the sake of making content. You know, like yeah. that question earlier about what about people that have never that's had the gospel question. preached to them. That that's a great question. Uh, that's a question that, that's best handled in, in conversation. And so we don't want to be flippant with any of these things. We're available yeah. to you guys if you want to reach out. All right. Last question. Uh, Brandon Torres Hunt, do you think Satan would go after the weaker Christ followers in these end days or make a stronger push towards our church leaders and or stronger in the faith Christ followers? That's a good question. Uh, the Bible says that the, the devil or the enemy, it says he's going about as a roaring lion. He said he's not a roaring lion. First and foremost, like, man, we have to recognize as believers and Christ followers and his sons and daughters the devil's already defeated. He's a defeated foe. But the Bible says he's going about as a run, seeking who he can devour. The enemy, man, he he wants to dis- kill, steal, and destroy. That's the Bible says in John 10, 10, it says the thief or the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to do that to anybody, anybody he can with no prejudice. But the, the last part, the second part of that scripture, Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I don't think that uh, I, I don't think the enemy attacking you is is uh, exclusive to anybody. You know, there's not a point that you're going to reach that you're going to say, man, the enemy's not going to attack my life. Whether you're a pastor or someone who just came into the faith, you know, the the enemy is going about every single day um, seeking whom you may devour. And that's why it says in Ephesians six, it says, man, that we as believers, whether you've been born again and in church for fifty years. Or five days, it says, man, you need to get up and you need to put on the armor, the armor of, of Christ, and you know you need, we need to set our heart and and set our mind on things above, you know, because man, it's like somebody will see somebody that's been in the faith twenty years fall and be like, oh, they wasn't real. No, it's not that they wasn't real. It's man, there's a real adversary. 
that, that wants to see people divorced. It wants to see this church divided. It wants to see bitterness. I've seen people, man, that's been born again 20 years and they'll get offended over one of the smallest things. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's there's a real enemy that, um, and I do think that, you know, um, sometimes people think they're getting attacked by the enemy because they're doing something wrong. Oh man, God's sometimes man, the enemy's attacking you because you're doing something right. Sometimes when you set in your heart, say, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to do right. Yeah, of course. Man, the enemy's not going to just sit back and uh, with no um, pushback. The enemy's not going to just sit and watch you change your family and change your destiny and change your life around. But the thing is, is, is man, the enemy is defeated. The enemy is, Jesus has already defeated um, Satan. So you're asking, you're asking, do do we believe that God, that the enemy is more coming after church leaders or if he's coming after people that are like the weaker, newer Christians, is that was that the meat of the question? Think, Will, uh, do you think Satan go after weaker Christ followers in these end days, or a stronger push towards church leaders and the stronger in faith? I first, I agree with what David said that the the, the devil is a is a equal opportunity um, attacker. In other words, he he comes to kill, steal, lie, and destroy, and he's coming after everybody. Now, having said that. I think that it's evident the way that the enemy's doing it. The enemy has the same kind of strategy that that uh, someone that might be in charge of soldiers might have. You're going to go after the head. Sure. The word, you know, and, and the word tells us to look out for that. And that's why we see so many absent fathers. That's why the family structure is being destroyed in our nation because the enemy understands that if he can take fathers, fathers are the king, priests, and prophet of the household. Mm-hmm. That's the way the household is to be structured. The man is the head of the house. The Bible calls him the king the priest, and the prophet of his house. So we see now an attack on the patriarch family. If we can remove the father, says the devil, then the family is going to be left destroyed. And it goes the same way in the church. Of course, the devil is going to come after pastors, elders, deacons, leaders in the church. That's why you see so many pastors now committing adultery, you know, fornicating, all these different things. You know, Hillsong Church, you know, they had a famous pastor um, committed, committed adultery on his wife, you know, and, and we could go, we could go down the list. You know, Jeremy Foster, the fastest growing church in all of America down in Texas, um, you know, same thing there. And so why is that? Because the enemy knows that if he can take the head out, that he can do so much damage. Now on the other side of things, I think that the enemy uses the same tactic that we see the, the men who he employs now in the world. They're using these tactics. They go for the top, and they go for the bottom. So if you can take and if you can if you can do that, then you create a vice yep. and you squeeze in on the middle. So if you're going to come after the, if you come after the leadership in the church, if you come after the head, and then you go after these people down here who are the newly converted. Which, by the way, the newly converted, the baby Christians are most often the most passionate, the most zealous, yeah. the ones that are willing to go and do the most. Right. And so if you can go after the leader up at the top, if you can go after the people that are newly converted down at the bottom, if you can cause dissension and strife, backbiting and gossip here and there, then you squeeze in on the middle like a vice. And that seems like a good strategy. And I think that that's what we're seeing play out right now. So simultaneously, the enemy is coming after the fathers of homes, but he's going after the children. That's why we see what we see in the school right now, because children... If, if, we can, if we can deceive children, then we destroyed the future. The enemy knows that, and so we better make sure two things that are happening, 
that we're trying to restore the family structure, and that means that we're trying to build up fathers. Yeah. Discipleship is the answer for that, and we better make sure that we're discipling our own kids. And that means that every every parent should should understand that it's not the church's responsibility to disciple your children. Yeah. It's nobody's responsibility other than yours to yeah. disciple your children. That's a good question, Bobby. I, I, I think, you know, um, like Brian said, yeah, of course the, the, the enemy's going to come after leadership. Of course it's going to come after the fathers. You know, but, man, the, the enemy is looking for anyone he can devour. Anyone. And that's why it's like, man, we have to be prepared. The Bible says to be sober. In your mind, to be sober in your mind, to be vigilant, to be looking, because you have the adversary. You know, just you can't say, "Well, I've been I've been in church for fifty years, I'm good, man." Nah, you still need to be sober. You need to be vigilant, because you have an enemy, man. Just like you had on day one, you have an enemy. On, I mean, man. I mean, you even look at Jesus, and uh, I think it's John four, right after Jesus got baptized, in the end of John chapter three, immediately in John chapter four, it says that he was led by the Spirit of God. And it says to be tempted of Satan. So in John 4, it says the, the devil come and tempted Jesus. Now here God, here Jesus is God in the flesh, and Satan's coming to tempt him. So it's like there is no, um, man, the, the, the devil's coming for anybody. Mm. But the thing is, is like I think sometimes people give too much credit to the, to the enemy. Um, I think the answer is, man, that the, the thief comes to kill, still in the store, anyone, everybody that he can. But Jesus came, that we can have life and have life. And that, Good question. That's a perfect way to end, man. Um, I think so we'll there's one this. more question. Is there one more question? Yeah, there's another question. Unless you, want to, you, unless you want to end, we can answer that question. Nah, what's the other question? Yeah. Uh, it's one more from Sarah Lynn. Right. Uh, when praying, is there a structure you should follow, or is it just what you feel in your heart? I struggle with this. Yeah, there is There is a structure. Um, Jesus had disciples, and... Uh, they was in a Jewish culture that prayed all the time. So these disciples, they knew how to, how they knew the format of what they have learned in in, uh, in their culture to pray. But then after following Jesus, this is what they asked Jesus. They said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus, uh, he said, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Now he don't. It doesn't mean like you say these words, only say these words, but it's a template. And Jesus said this, he said, when you pray, um, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. So the first thing he wanted you to say is his hour. He's not my father. He's not Brian's father. He's our father. Where is he at? Our father who art in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So, I mean, every, every part of this Prayer is a, is a template. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. So like that other question, well, who's the devil going to be attacking? Everybody. Lord, lead me not into temptation. And what else? Lord, deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you get up and I'm going to pray this. There's nothing wrong with praying that. That's a good thing to pray sometimes. But what Jesus was saying, he said, hey, this is a model this is a template of um, prayer. This is the model in which we pray. And I think that's, um, where is that? Do you, it's in the Gospel of Matthew. It, do you, can you try to find out. You're talking about the Lord's we're gonna Prayer? Give you, um, yeah, we're going to give you an exact reference so you can go read this. But, I mean, these are people who follow Jesus. The same question you just asked us is the same question they asked Jesus. And um, 
You know, I've thought about that. I was like, man, I'm sure they had prayed before that. I'm sure they prayed before Jesus taught them how to pray. But, man, I think they seen something different when Jesus was praying. I think they seen, and they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray like you pray. Man, I, I think one of the most important things that we forget when we come to praise, the Word of God says that when we when we come to pray, that we enter His courts with praise and with thanksgiving. In other words, so often we come we come to God, we come to Jesus in prayer, and the first thing that we do is we bring our complaint, yep. and we come with our hand out yep. asking God for things. But the Word of God says that if we will come to Him with praise on our lips and with thanksgiving, in other words, a spirit of gratitude, yep. that every that our prayer will be better set in order. And this is the posture that we should we should approach Jesus yeah. with. So we come to him with praise. We come to him with thanksgiving. And then just, and the, I'm sorry, I'm looking for... Uh, another thing while you're looking for that, another thing that came to my mind when Brian was saying that, another thing that Jesus said uh, about prayer, he said, um, he said, if you come to pray and... Um, he said, when you come to pray, he said, um, if you have any, what does he say? If you have any offense? No, he said, if you have unforgiveness in your heart. That's what I was trying to think of. He said, he said, when you come to pray, he said, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, he said, man, forgive. That's him. And there's certain things that Jesus was trying to teach us about prayer. He said, listen, man, don't come in here um, because prayer is a place. And you know that, that when you're praying, we're praying to, the, to, to God as Father. And that's what Jesus was teaching us. He said, when you come to pray, he said, our Father. See, God wants you to have a sense of uh, belonging when you pray. And uh, I know Brian's looking for that, but, man, there's certain things that, I mean, but that was the direct question. The same question you asked us, the same question his followers asked, at, at his disciples at that time. I think it's Matthew, check Matthew uh, 6 and 9. That's, that's why I've, I've passed it twice. I'm, check that, Matthew 6, 6 and 9. There it is right there. I want, it says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets. They might be seen by men. In other words, we're not, we don't pray so that other people can hear us pray. We're not trying to get the attention of people when we do pray. Surely I say to you, those folks have the reward. In other words, those people that pray just so other people can, can witness them praying, the attention of people, that is their reward. Yeah. But you, when you pray, go into a room, shut the door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. Now look, take special note of this, because how many people have made this prayer that we're about to examine just a vain a repetitious prayer? Yeah. So he says, don't just repeat what I've told you, but he said, in other words, don't pray this prayer over and over again, but pray like this. He says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our father in heaven. So in other words, we're acknowledging and you know our what father in heaven. says to me right there? Read that. Go back up and read that line that you just read. It says, before you, what did it say? It says, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You know what? I know you're about to read what he, what he said, but you know what that made me think of? Is look, God already knows what's in your heart. God wants prayer to be a place where y'all develop relationship. Yeah. And that makes me think about that question earlier, like, hey, is it wrong to question God? I mean, God already knows all the questions. You, know? you might as well say them out loud to him so that you can meditate on it. He can talk back to you and you can work. Because that's what God out. wants. This is what God wants. God wants communion with us. 
God wants fellowship with us. God he wants a real us. relationship. Yeah, he just wants like, a relationship. Just like what you and I, one of our kids. When my kids, I tell them all the time, I say, look, I want obedience out of you even before you understand. And then, but once, once if you don't understand, right, ask but, but come and ask me. You know, in other words, be obedient. But I want you to have understanding. All right. So back to this. This is our Father in heaven. Holy be your be your name. In other words, we're acknowledging that His name is holy. In other words, His name is it connotates all things that are complete, and His name is set apart or consecrated. Your kingdom come. In other words, we are agreeing. We want your kingdom and to come. And what is his kingdom? His kingdom is his government, his way of life, his way of thinking, his system. He's saying your system, your way of thinking, your way of life, come. Come where? And come where? Come to the heart of men. The word of God says that the kingdom of God is found where? In the heart of men. Yeah. And that's why it says, it says that we are to pursue God with all our mind, body, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is love it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, we're going after God and his kingdom is found in the hearts of men. Your kingdom come. Come where? Into the hearts of men. So it's come to you. It's come to me. And so we've got to try to get it in other people. Your will be done. That is his will. And, and that goes back to even come. the question. I, I think it was you who had the same question. Is it okay to ask God? Yeah, God, God doesn't have, God is okay with you asking him a question. Why? Because his will, you know, people, whatever you don't understand is what you're not going to be confident in. So whatever question you have, I mean, that, that's a good place. I mean, that's a good place to go and ask a question. God, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand this. And I know you're, you want your will to be done in my life. I will ask you to show me. And I'm striving to obey your word. So he said, he said, your, kingdom your will be done on earth. So your will be done on earth just the same way it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's not talking about only food. That's talking about the bread of life, this word. Give us this day our daily bread. So we're asking God, speak your word into my very being and forgive us our debts. Every one of us have debts. Every one of us have, have debts against other people. Word. Forgive our debts. So we're asking God, we want mercy as we forgive our debtors. In other words, God, help me to receive mercy and help me to be someone that gives or extends mercy. And do not lead us into temptation, but what? Talking about deliverance earlier, deliver us from the evil one. This is literally a prayer of deliverance. Why? Because yours is the kingdom and the power. It's just an acknowledgement. All of this is yours. Yours, this whole world, yours is the kingdom. All the power belongs to you and all the glory. The glory doesn't go to me, David, anybody else. The glory is to you forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that's a, that is a, a very, very uh, important thing to remember. You know, everybody, everybody wants justice. You know, all of us want justice, right? Uh, but at the same time, all of us want mercy. Yeah. And so the best way that, that, that I've ever seen that play out in my life is right by my house, I ran a stop sign. And on the day that I ran that stop sign, this is a true story, I got pulled over by the police officer and I prayed and prayed and prayed, what, for mercy. I hope I don't get a ticket, right? right? I did get a ticket. I've actually got a ticket at that same stop sign twice. But then... It was no time later. I can't tell you how long. I don't want to make it up. But I was going down the road, and I watched a teenager uh, fly by on a Honda Civic, run straight through that stop sign. I watched a cop pull out behind him, and the words that came out of my mouth, man, I hope you give him two tickets. Right. So the, here's the point. When I ran that stop sign, I wanted mercy. Right. Somebody else runs that stop sign, 
I want justice. Yeah. Well, which one do we want? Because the Bible says that if we give mercy, then we'll get mercy. I tell my kids that all the time. I say, you know, that's what the Bible says. Is blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, we all know. I know I'm going to need mercy. You know you're going to need mercy. If you're, if, you're, if you're watching with us, you know you're going to need mercy. And this is what Jesus said. You knowing you need mercy. You know what you should be doing? Go around giving mercy. It says, it says you're blessed. Blessed are those who give mercy. Why? Because they're going to give mercy. You know what that means? If you don't give mercy, you're not going to get mercy. And I mean, that's true in a spiritual sense. That's true in a practical sense. That's true in everyday life. And it's, it's true with God. God set that law in place that if you give mercy, that he'll give you mercy. And here's a good way, a good way uh, to end this, to live as Christ. This is from Philippians chapter 1. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of Jesus Christ according to the earnest expectation and hope in nothing. I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy and faith that your rejoicing for me may be more, more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you. And to live is Christ and to die is gain. David, you want to pray now? Yeah, y'all, we're going to close. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray this out, but I'm going to pray for everybody that's out there watching too. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you that I got an opportunity to be a guest on uh, Brian's podcast, Lord God. But I just pray um, your word says if we lack wisdom, then we should ask of you. Father, I know there's some areas that we all, every one of us have questions. All of us. But Father, I know that you're the answer giver, Father God, that all wisdom comes from you. And all in the beginning of wisdom is to fear you. Lord God, I pray that um, that that as we draw near to you tonight, that you're drawing near to us. If there's any questions out there that people have... Father God, I pray that um, that they're open to message us, Father God. But if we don't know, Father God, we don't know all the answers. Father, we'll do our best to look in your word and 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 seek and and try to help them, Father God, because we're all just we're all seeking you, Father God. So I pray anyone out there who's seeking you, Father God, your word is true. Your word says that if we seek, that we'll find. And if we knock, the door will be open. And if we ask, we shall receive. So Father God, we we pray for everyone out there who's seeking right now. We pray that that uh, your word is true and that they'll find. And all those who's knocking, I know the door will be open. Everyone who asks, they'll receive, Father. So I thank you for this time. I pray you bless it. I pray there's any even more questions that people have. I pray, Father God, that uh, this, this message would reach those who need it most, Father God. I pray for anyone else out there who's hurting, who's struggling with addiction, who's struggling with loss, who's struggling with grief, Father God. I pray for peace, Father God. And your word says that you don't give us peace as the world gives, but you give us peace that surpasses all understanding. So I pray for anybody out there struggling, Father God, I pray, Father, that you would just you would draw them near to you, Father God. And I pray they would find themselves drawing near near to you. So I just pray a blessing over them, Father God. We thank you for this time. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to I say something um, as we close, just being convicted of God. Earlier when Sarah asked that question about those who may not ever be presented with the gospel as we all have, and I had made a statement that I felt confident that, that I had the answers. And I want to I amend that statement. 
my confidence is in the word of God. And just as David said a moment ago, there will be times when, um, when the answer is not as readily available to us or we can't formulate um, the words uh, as we would like. But my confidence is in, in this, the word of God. And if you have questions um, such as that question earlier, a fantastic question, the answers are, are here in the word of God. And so what I want to make clear is this. Um, it's not that I have all the answers. It's not that David has all the answers. But David and I love you, and we love Jesus, and we love this word. And if we put all of those together, um, there's nothing that the Spirit of God will, will not uh, give us answers for. And that's what we're doing this podcast for. And when I say that, like, man, we don't necessarily know all the answers to everything. But I know that we have access to the answer giver. And if you ask me a question, I don't know. I might say, I don't know right now. I'm going to go study. I'll go pray. I'll go try to find try to find out, you know, I try to walk it out with you, you know, so, man, our inboxes are open, um, I know, man, if y'all don't know Brian, man, he's tagged in this post, y'all go follow him, um, he passes a church in Smyrna, Tennessee, man, um, you know, the answer, the answer, the, the answer is always ready because we, we're connected to the answer giver, so, you know, there might be a question, you might give me, man, you got me on that one right now, you know, and it's like, man, I may not even know the answer to that question, but I know that, uh, even when you ask that question, it's like, man, I, I know I have have um, an answer that I I, I want to try to explain, and you know, but I'm like, you know what, man, let me let me let me go look, let me go study a little bit on that question, and uh, but that was a great question, and uh, man, we appreciate y'all tuning in with us, and y'all check out the rest of the podcast, Biblical World. <clears throat> you'll be able to find it on Spotify. Um, we'll give you more updates. Um, our plan is to come back and do this again next week. But look for the look for the podcast. Y'all get some hard questions for us. Found on Spotify. We'll be ready next week. Yeah, man. Love y'all. Be blessed. <laughs>